0: Food bloggers, hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. If you are a keyword research junkie like I am and like so many other food bloggers are, you are absolutely going to love this episode with Aleka Shunk from Keywords with Aleka. She provides so much value in this episode about how to do keyword research. She goes into looking for search volumes and competition and how you should be analyzing your competition and tracking your rankings, and mistakes bloggers make, and so many little tips that I never thought of. So listen to it from start to finish. I promise you will find value in it. This is episode number 413, sponsored by RankIQ. Talk is here to support you at every stage of your food blogging journey to help you accelerate your blog's growth so you can achieve your freedom. We offer many services that will help get you on the right path no matter where you're at in your journey. Don't forget to check out our free discussion forum at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Go there to connect with like-minded peers, to learn and to grow, and to share any wins that you have. Our signature service is our mastermind program. We are currently accepting waitlist submissions for 2024. So if you want to get on the list for this year long experience starting in January 2024 definitely do that now if you are not quite ready for that investment the mini minds program might be for you it is a six-month program that will help you achieve your goals and overcome any obstacles that are holding you back and if you're up for getting together in person with some like-minded food bloggers consider coming to one of our in-person retreats in 2023 this is a great way to get to know your fellow food bloggers really well in an intimate setting to learn a ton about food blogging in a short time frame and to eat some delicious food that you will never forget. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash services to get all the information about all of our services. Aleka is the founder of Aleka's Get Together, a food and entertaining blog and Keywords with Aleka, a keyword research school for bloggers. She has a master's degree in teaching, learning, and curriculum and was a teacher for 10 years. Aleka took her expertise as both a teacher and blogger to create courses to help others learn how to navigate and excel at a small but important piece of SEO, keyword research. Hello, Aleka. How are you today? Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I've been a long
1: listener for some time now and excited to share as well as, you know, collaborate with you and chat.
0: Yeah, we're excited to learn about keywords. I know that you absolutely love this topic, but before we get into it, do you have a fun fact to share with us? Fun fact.
1: So I know I've been thinking about a few different things, but something that I think is has taken up most of my life has been soccer and I think a lot of people don't realize that you know most you know growing up it was all I was a huge soccer fan player I played in college I played on a Greek Olympic team after college and I coached for five six years after that and so so soccer and coaching and everything around that was such a big part of my life and taught me a lot about you know so many different things. The coaching aspect is something that has helped me also carry over into what I'm doing now. But yeah, I'm big on soccer and and hopefully I'm trying to push my my two sons to play right now because I love it so much. But one doesn't want to run. So, oh, funny.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I love learning that about you. So, are you involved in it at any capacity now? Like, do you coach or anything like that?
1: No, not now. I kind of gave that up when, when I got pregnant with my first son and took a break from it. But yeah, I mean, actually, I'm sorry, I did volunteer last season for my son, four-year-old sons. <laughs> I was like, I promise I wouldn't do
0: this, but here I am. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I suppose it's much different on a four-year-old level than like collegiate level, <laughs> probably. It's completely different, but it's fun. It's, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. Okay, so you're here to talk about keyword research. Everyone under the sun who is a food blogger wants to learn more about keyword research. As you know, it's a very relevant and hot topic. So let's just have a conversation about this. Do you have anywhere you'd like to start? Like what's a, maybe what's a question or like subtopic that you get a lot from food
1: bloggers? A question I get a lot is how do you know what volume to target when it comes to keyword research? I think that's something that, you know, people are always going to wonder that magic number because we want that, you know, that set. This is what we got to go for. Don't go for anything else. We want just, you know, those rules. But it's kind of hard to give that exact answer because it depends on so many things. Um, Depends where you are. If you're a new blogger, obviously, you know, you're going to target lower search volume, and if you're a little bit more authority and blogging for a longer time, you're going to increase that volume, and it depends on the competition and so many things. So, that's one question. I do get a lot on is you know what target volume to search for and then also like what tools do you recommend to do both keyword research and kind of like tracking is another question I get a lot I can dig into tools if you want or I can kind of
0: <laughs> give Yeah my... so before we get to tools which I think is a really awesome one to cover too I was going to ask you about the search volume thing so I've noticed lately that nothing is really off limits for me. If it says 100 search volume on KeySearch, I'll just go for it. And usually I end up getting more than that, than what it says. So why is there a discrepancy?
1: Yeah. So sometimes you... I mean, okay. So if you see a keyword that says 100 and you are really into that variation, especially if it's a recipe... Nine times out of 10, actually, I'll probably say almost like 99.9% of the time, there's going to be so many different other variations that you're naturally going to rank for because, you know, there's how many different ways to search a query in, in Google, right? When people are searching recipe, it's you can ask that. or or how to find that, you can come about it in so many different ways to ask it. And I'm sure, you know, I can give an example. It's so much easier. Like you're searching, you know, lasagna with ricotta cheese. And that's bad because all lasagnas have ricotta cheese. If if I did like a cheeseburger with turkey, right? Turkey cheeseburger, turkey burger. And you can say, you know, turkey burger. And say that gets 200 search volume. And then there's another variation that may get 50. That's you know, burger with turkey meat, or turkey burger recipe, or recipe for turkey burgers, or delicious turkey burger, or the best turkey burger. Or <laughs> so, all of these different variations are really important that you kind of add them up as you're doing your research. Depending on the tool you use, will depend on that you know, how easy it is to find that total number. And that total number is something that I really stress in my course, because a lot of us kind of either will not most of the time not go for a keyword because you're thinking, oh, only a 100 search volume, that's not enough. I'm not even going to bother when if you really do deeper research, you're going to see other keyword variations like 50 here, 80 here, 100 here, 20 here, 20, 20, 20, 30, 30, 50, 50. And it all adds up to over a thousand if you really do your research properly. And those are the keywords that, or those are the posts that really do better than you think because you're like, well, you know, a lot of people are just looking quickly and they're shoving it under the rug because they just see a number that's too low and they don't really do the deeper research. And this is for recipes that are not so obvious, like turkey burger, you know, the ones that are really have, Longer tail keywords and more specific ingredients that people are searching for.
0: Okay, I love that explanation. I've never heard any, anyone say it quite like that. So that makes sense. So there's it's like there's more to it. Like you're looking at a hundred, but it goes deeper because you're going to put more things in your post, obviously, and make it a more robust keyword. You know, enriched post. So the 100 shouldn't scare us off because we are awesome and we're going to make it more quality than just turkey burger with or burgers with turkey or whatever you said originally yeah
1: exactly and more P- and and google's going to rank you for so many more terms that you normally didn't think about which is why you know tracking and taking a look at your keywords after the fact is super important because you're like oh my goodness i didn't even think that somebody would be searching this or what is this? I didn't even know I had to do with. So there's a lot that you don't even realize. So having like that minimum volume as like the base is really important to kind of start there. And then usually it's going to be much more than that. And it's only a percentage of that. I think a lot of people don't realize like I think people food bloggers under under reach that volume. They'll go for something super low. Because they're like, well, I don't want to go too competitive because I'm not going to rank. But if you really think you're only getting in the first position a portion, I think a third of that traffic is what the stats say. So out of a thousand total monthly search volume, considering all the variations that you may rank in the first position for, you're just getting 30% of that ish, which is about what 300, 300 ish, a little bit more than that monthly visits, which isn't really going to move the needle that much. So just some things to think about.
0: (laughs) Okay. So what if we see, what if there's like the perfect keyword and we see a search volume of zero or like 10? Do we just, is that off limits? What are your thoughts? Keyword, what's perfect keyword? (laughs) So I was just talking to a friend of mine who, oh gosh, it was like a really specific cake that she had made that I had never even heard of. But the keyword came up in KeySearch. I mean, it was there. It just said, I think it was like 10 search volume or something like that. And yeah. she, it was really hard for her to describe the cake in any other way. And she'd already made it. It was already like a post and photos were yeah. taken and everything. So it's not like she could redo her thinking around what she was going to make. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if that, well, in the, in my course, I teach not to go that, that step route to kind of, <laughs> that's like phase two, after you develop a recipe, then going back and keyword researching. Obviously, it's not the ideal um, way to research, but so many of us have so many recipes that, you really, you know, you love the recipe so much. And really, there's nothing more that you want to change. So you got to make it fit, you know, the SEO, right. So if that happens, if you can find other words or or ways to describe it, I think I just work with somebody that Oh my goodness, it was a recipe for creamy chicken with sun dried tomatoes. And she wasn't ranking for that. But I did some deeper research and realized that instead of calling it that, we can call it marry me chicken, which I had no idea was <laughs> the name of that type of recipe. But that had a lower search volume and was a better keyword or not a lower competition uh, score and had still a, gr- a pretty good volume. And I told her to go for that. So sometimes there's other ways to call a recipe. And um, when it comes to food, it's a little bit, you know, sometimes you, you're it's a very strict You know, you can't really wiggle much outside of that window, but sometimes you can kind of change things around or be very general with your recipe. So if she has a cake recipe that is very specific and there's no volume for that specific recipe, option one, you can totally go for it and cross your fingers and hope that you know key search or whatever tool you're using is pulling incorrect data and there's loads of people searching it or maybe it's a seasonal it, it gets more volume during a, a different time of year which you may not know about or option 2 you can call it more of a general term like the best cake recipe or an e- super easy i don't know five ingredient cake recipe or a i don't know something that's so broad where most people, most bloggers aren't going to use that term because they're more so targeting a specific type of cake. So there's different ways you can go about that. And that's usually the second way, second option I encourage people to take if more of the specific volume isn't there, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. We have to get creative, don't we? Like sometimes I spend a lot of time because I have a lot of older content and I try to update my old content and just kind of like fit it into these keywords, which I know a lot of us try to do. Sometimes it doesn't work at all and I just have to abandon it. But sometimes I'm like, dang it, I'm going to make this work. And I just search and search and search. And most of the time there's an angle, you know, like you said, maybe go more generic and then put a modifier on it or something like that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we do as as bloggers. You have to try to be, I mean, we're already creative, especially if you're a food blogger. You're creative in the kitchen. Think a little bit outside the box when it comes to naming your recipes. It doesn't have to be, you know, that exact title, you know, chicken with onions and mushrooms. It could be something, you know, a creamy, easy weekend weekend chicken dinner. I don't know, something think, let's take a step back and think a little bit differently. And sometimes you may need to finagle some things or if like you, maybe like this is something I I tell in the course the students, and my students in the courses, if you, if there's like an ingredient that you didn't or did use, that's not very obvious in the photos, try to play around with targeting or not targeting that keyword so that you don't have to change your photos and you can easily tweak the recipe So that maybe it doesn't affect the overall taste at the end. And obviously, it's not going to be the main ingredient like chicken removing or adding that. But little things like with, you know, like maybe it has onions and you didn't add that in the title. But you find that onions is a popular modifier and with a high volume. Maybe now we throw that in the title and we target chicken with onions or whatever it is. Whereas before it was more just general, you know, chicken dish.
0: No, oh, I like that. Yeah, you're right. We do have to get, we just have to think a little bit. And then I was going to ask you too about those really high search volume and maybe high competition to keywords. Like, do you recommend that we aim for some of those and how often?
1: Yeah. And when I started keyword researching, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to find the lowest, you know, the lowest competition keywords with the highest volume. And And they're so hard, they're very hard to find, but they're out there at the same time as I grew and and learned more and, you know, saw my own growth and, and lack of growth at times, I said, let me try to, and and also I take a step back as I analyze other bloggers that, you know, I work with, I see what keywords they're ranking for. And I'm like, wow, the, the competition score that this blogger is ranking high for in the top position is much higher than personally I would go for. And my authority is higher than this person so I'm thinking why would I ever kind of shut out all the possibilities out there so if what I'm trying to say is there's a, a recipe that you really love and that you have and you really feel proud of it and you want to target a keyword that is maybe higher competition but the volume is there that is like my go for the gold like let's, let's cross our fingers. Let's keep, you know, things positive thinking, <laughs> go for that keyword. And you, you really never know because you could have more authority in a certain area. If you're, you know, maybe a crackpot blogger or whatever it is, you, you don't know how Google's going to rank, but I don't do that for all of my keywords, right? There's some strategy. I'll just throw one of those in maybe every month or maybe a couple of months, depending how many recipes, you know, new posts I'm producing and try to just have those on the back burner. Because as you grow, you're going to have more authority. You're going to be able to rank for those higher competitive keywords. You kind of want to set yourself up for future success as well.
0: Yeah, there's always those anomalies that happen that you just don't expect at all. And they're usually, for me, it's like really old keywords and posts that I just like threw out there. And for some reason they've just done well over time and they're still doing well and it doesn't fit within my niche at all. There's one in particular I'm thinking of that's like every year, it's a top three every single year over and over. And I'm just like, I have no idea. So if you find those anomalies, do you recommend kind of building a strategy around them to kind of support them or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have a post that's in the top three, or five positions
1: consistently year round and they're doing they're doing pretty well but you know we have to keep an eye on them that's super important especially if a higher percentage of your traffic is coming from those top posts make sure number one that you're tracking it keeping an eye on those so they don't fall because one position could make a huge difference especially if you have a few and especially if you're like in a snippet a rich snippet and you drop one spot, you could go, you know, totally MIA. So tracking them is important. Using a good tracking tool. I teach that in my other course, analyzing and tracking. So keeping an eye on that is number one. Two, support it by offering different recipes that will kind of go off it or go with it. So if it's, you know, a I keep saying chicken if it's a (laughs) maybe a summer dish maybe you offer a summer dessert that you can kind of link to at the end of that post that will keep users on the page or on your blog because click-through rate is super important to Google so if we can keep somebody on that recipe or on your blog then that's giving good signals to Google and going to help that post only more and if it's maybe a pizza post and you aren't linking to or you don't include a recipe for your own pizza dough, have another separate post on homemade pizza dough that you can link to that. Maybe your own pizza or marinara sauce as well that you link all those three recipes together. So things like that are really important to kind of strengthen those posts as much as you can and keep an eye on them so that they don't drop.
0: Okay, great thoughts there. So Let's say we have like the perfect keyword. It fits exactly what we want to make and the numbers all look good. Like search volume and competition looks good on paper or on the screen. But then we go and we dig a little bit into the competition and we see that maybe there's like some really well-known established bloggers in the top three or five, do we just abandon that keyword? (laughs) No,
1: we don't just, I mean, (laughs) I think a lot of us, you know, do do that. And we immediately are saying, you know, I'm just going to keep moving on. But if you really love the recipe, the potential recipe, or you already have a recipe that is, you know, perfected, and you really want to go for that keyword, go for it. If you don't already have a recipe and you're just kind of random keyword searching to give you more, you know, recipe inspiration, I would say try to analyze it a little better. Like what, what exactly are you analyzing when it comes to the, the competition page one only? Are you looking at page two to see kind of who's hanging out in the like 11th through 15th position? I keep saying page two, but it's it's not really page two anymore, is it? Right, (laughs) the eleventh or fifteenth position in that infinite scroll. If you look at those positions and you see recipes that are completely kind of you know off off the not really related or different, kind of targeting a different keyword in the same niche, then that's something that you can kind of heavily help determine whether you're going to go for it because maybe you don't rank for that recipe this year, but maybe, again, it's something that you're going to rank for in the future. So if you can land in maybe the top of the top of the second page, the 11th, 12th, 13th, one of those second set of 10 positions, then you're that's, I still think, putting yourself in a good position and you should still go for it. Other things to kind of consider when you're looking at whether it's really you know before you abandon it is <laughs> abandon it is look into and see open up every single post on page one page. I keep saying page in the top 10, <laughs> take a look at all of the heading structures of every other uh, bloggers post and see how they're formatting their posts. Is there any that they're really missing? Look at the reader comments I love looking at and and because you'll get a lot of questions from you'll see a lot of questions that other readers are asking these you know other bloggers and you, you you didn't even think about it because you know when we make a recipe we make it we don't think we don't step out, outside of that box and kind of look at it from like a amateur cook perspective so there's a lot of questions that I've gotten and used in my own post when creating a new recipe That I never would have thought of asking initially just from seeing what other people are wondering. So using all of that and saying, well, is this blogger even addressing this question? Is this blogger addressing this topic? Are they going to detail about the type of variations or what substitution? Just really digging deep to see if there's content gaps missing from your competition will help you determine whether, you know, you should really go for it or whether it's totally kind of like, forget about it. One thing I really focus in on, like the first thing is the title tag. So the H1 is usually the same thing as, you know, the SERP title. If it's exactly what you're targeting and you see like the top 20 results targeting that exact keyword, that's something that I really kind of, okay, if I see that, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to go in a different direction. And if they're, you know, higher authority, then I'm like, really, okay, let me, let me go see if there's something else out there. But if, you know, only a handful of those top posts or competitors are really targeting that specific keyword, then I'm like, okay, I think I have a chance. Let me dig a little deeper. So there's, a lot of things you should be analyzing before you just totally throw it out the window.
0: That was gold, everything you just said. That was so amazing because I don't think, I don't often look really closely at the titles of all of the top posts. I just kind of glance through key search and then stop. (laughs) If it's like, oh, Sally's baking addiction, there she is again, or, you know, like whoever, then I kind of stop in my tracks. But yeah, like to keep going and to keep, Digging a little bit is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, which I wish I was going to say, I wish Key Search offers the title tag, the option to see that from within the tool itself. I'm sure they will in the future, but you know, it's something that would be super helpful because then I have to go into Google and read the title tags. You know, obviously, it's not a huge extra step, but it still is an extra step, but something I do every single time. And then another thing to think about is the organic results, like the blue links compared to like the rich results at the top, the recipe carousel that a lot of people will click immediately on those three images. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So if you're in those top three images, that's awesome. But click the dropdown when you're analyzing and see the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, like those other six results and see who they are. Do they have five-star ratings what's their authority? Are they targeting that exact, you know, keyword in their title? Are they, what's their, you know, your, their niche, are they really specializing in this type of recipe or whatever? And that's really kind of what also helps me determine whether I go for a recipe because that's, I feel like the chances of landing there are much higher personally than in the organic results. But that's something I also, I really, really look at and helps me determine. And if it's like a website that's not really optimized, you know, like just like a large food, food website, uh, I never let that deter me ever, ever. It's usually the bloggers that I'm more afraid (laughs) of.
0: Yeah, same. When I see those bigger bloggers, I'm like, ooh, that's scary. So my takeaway here for me, myself, Megan, is just to be a better investigator when looking at competition and not being so afraid when I see those big blogger names. So... I'm having a huge takeaway here. Thank you, Aleka. <laughs> have more hope. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have hope. Okay. So I think is there anything else on like volumes, competition, anything along those lines before we move on to tools?
1: Volumes, competition. I don't think so. I feel like there's only so much I can you know repeat. I don't want to you know yeah. <laughs> start saying it
0: over, but I I, th- I think we're good. Okay. That. That was all great. Thank you. And then you mentioned earlier tools. You get a lot of questions about which tools to use. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. There's so many tools
1: out there, As whereas a couple years ago, there was like one. But I think if you are first starting off blogging and you haven't, you know, don't even aren't dipping your toes in keyword research, the free tools aren't going to cut it. So if you're using a free tool like Keywords Everywhere extension or some free extension that everyone started off. It's good, but it's not going to put you ahead of everybody else that is using these tools. So pay for a tool. It doesn't have to be super expensive off the block, but start with something basic like KeySearch, which it's awesome. It's only like $30 a month and it does the job. So use that if it's very user-friendly and it gives you like 80% of what you need to do proper research. So that is a tool that I use all the time for quick volume and difficulty checks. And then I also use rank IQ, which is something that I know you talk about a lot. I love, you know, the blogging millionaire. He's awesome. He's very, he offers so much, so much helpful information and his tool is super helpful for finding content ideas that you never would have thought. And it does the research for you. So if you can afford that, that's also a great tool to kind of give you quick ideas without putting hours and hours into the research aspect of it. And then another tool I use is Ahrefs, which is it's like hand in hand with SEMrush. Both. I feel like people either use one or the other. They're going to really amp up the level in their keyword research. I like personally Ahrefs a little. I just am used to it. I like it. SEMrush I used for a year and I liked it, too. But it's just something that the the amount of time it saves you on filters and finding, locating certain keywords, it's it's pays for itself. And time is money, I always say. Right. Everyone's so afraid to invest in that tool. But you're spending hours and hours researching using these cheap, cheaper tools that may not have the ability or bandwidth to do all the research that you really can or, um, you know, it doesn't limit the results like key search can limit the amount of keywords a post is ranking for. It, it just it it's one of my favorite tools. And it's something that I if you really feel confident in your, you know, key search in your game, and you're, you feel like you're really more on the proficient level, I encourage you to experiment with either SEMrush or Ahrefs and really kind of feel them out, give them time to learn. And I think you'll really see some, some huge advantages to your rankings in the end, because you're going to, you're going to have, there's so much, so much in there. It's awesome.
0: I ever heard that too, but I've also like as a food blogger who just I personally don't love being in the keyword research tools, which is why I love Rank IQ so much because it like yeah. simplifies and it streamlines <laughs> yeah. and it does all the work for me and I have to spend very little time in the tool. So Ahrefs and SEMrush scare me and I know that a lot of other people feel the same. So mm-hmm. do you like how, because those have higher price tags, I mean, convince me <laughs> because I feel like it is not worth my time. That's kind of my thinking now. You go to Starbucks a lot? <laughs> I do not. Well, no, I used to, but no, I don't. But yeah, I have my own little simple pleasures. I know what you're going to say. Skim off those things I don't need.
1: Easier said than done to not, you know, not spend money here. And, and but, it, it, you know, we can't do that for the rest of our lives. And if you're going to keyword research, well, you're going to have to do this for a long time. So I just feel like maybe pick you know, decide what you want to do and go 100% with it. If you're going to learn, a lot of people will pay for these expensive tools and they'll use it half ASS. <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> they won't go 100% into the tool and learn what, and they're not getting as much out of it. And they, and then they, you really feel like you're wasting your money at that point. And you probably are because you're paying for something you're not using. So if you're going to use it, just pick that tool, learn 100% as much as you can about it. And when people learn it, they, they usually never go back. If they really are using it to 100% you know all the all the tools and and features that it offers it's it's really something that you know but you have to have at least i would say at least 100 200 posts to really be worth digging into it's better for analyzing than it is i think for researching because the analyzing and like tracking your rankings is so much easier to do in this tool than i think key search offers so
0: Okay, well, as a lazy blogger, I probably will not dig into it, but I can see where this could be really valuable. I mean, I've tried in the past and I've actually paid for these tools. And like after a few months, I'm like, wait a second, I'm not taking the time to learn. But if you do have the time or if you have the motivation to find the time, then it sounds like it can be really worthwhile.
1: Yeah, and I'm a visual motivator. Like if I see my rank, my, like if you see, I have a post that I posted like published a couple weeks ago and I see it climbing and the chart that Ahrefs offers, the his, rank history, you can see it climbing up the SERPs. So it'll start obviously like hundred and then I'll move up to 50 and then position 30 and then position 12. And then when I see it getting close to the top, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch you. I'm going to, I'm not going to update you. I'm not going to touch you. I'm going to maybe give you a little extra boost with some more social, you know, sharing or whatever internal linking. And then it's like, and hopefully it gets there and it kind of keeps me motivated and it helps me know where to put my energy to.
0: Yeah, no, I like hearing that. I definitely appreciate other perspectives on that. And I'm not saying that I don't see value because definitely I hear what you're saying. Just I'm 12 years into blogging. I feel like I'm getting lazier. I just need someone to like deliver, you know, exactly what's going to make my life easy. So I'm just at a point where, for me, no, but yeah, definitely yeah, dig no, into totally. it. Yeah. I'm sure there's any other bloggers
1: that are in that position that just whatever you're using is working for you and it's keeping you, you know, you know, and everything's still going well and you're happy and you're that's totally fine. So it's not for everybody, but, you know, it is an option and something that could, could super, you know, help if you, uh, you know, you just started off and you really want to kind of take things to another level. And there's sure. a lot of free tools like extensions that. I use when I'm analyzing competition, like SEO um, Meta is a great free extension and SEO Minion. And what are some other ones I use SEO Quake? Like these are all free extensions in Chrome that you can pull up that'll help you when you're analyzing other competitors, you know, content too. So that's something to look into.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I'm curious, Aleka, do you have common things that you hear from food bloggers specifically that are like, ooh, just like big mistakes that they might make when they're doing their research or analyzing or anything along those lines?
1: Common mistake, well, there's a couple different ones. (laughs) I would say not going back and updating content that is over a year old and hasn't moved in the rankings. That's probably one thing that I see the most often. Some other mistakes are not linking well internally. I see so many, you know, bloggers I work with that at the end they'll include a couple of related recipes, but there's so many other areas in that piece of content that you can link to your other content, especially like categories, you know, link to your categories. A lot of people forget to do that. And your categories can rank on the top page for a certain term as well. So linking to, you know, every aspect of your blog, make sure that that's like up to par. That's like my favorite thing to do, but it's the most tedious thing to do because I can spend hours like going back and adding this link and adding this link. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, this is so tedious. And you feel like you're not doing anything, but something as small like that and using different anchor text and keywords in that um, anchor text is also something a lot of people don't think about, but something that Google also looks into
0: that's one I didn't used to think of ever I used to just put like lemon bars and every single post and link to that but now I think I mean we just hear that more and more that we should vary that so now I try to do like lemon squares or easy lemon bars or just like variations is that kind of how to go about that exactly
1: and and that comes from your from your keyword research initially and just looking at the related keywords and and if you look at what somebody else is ranking in the first position for. So take their URL, pop it in a tool that you use and use the keywords, their top five keywords as your anchor text. So that's really...
0: that's a great one. Yeah. I'm just totally changing my game after this conversation. This is also good. And then your recommendation to link to category pages. I think I do that occasionally, but not hardly at all. So we should do that a lot.
1: Yeah, I know. It's something that <laughs> you're like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, it's something that, like, I didn't used to do a, a couple you know, over a year ago. I started doing it more this past year. And I think it's really been helping as well.
0: Awesome. Any other mistakes that come to mind when you think of us food bloggers? I would say not like if you see something that's
1: not ranking after a year, change directions and go, you know, really, you don't have to stick to the same structure that a lot of, especially food bloggers, you know, kind of target. It's always like the ingredient tips and, you know, how to make it and and how to store. And it's always the same headers, but it doesn't have to be, you know, that's just like a recommended outline, a safe outline. Yeah. Go a different direction and maybe use your first headers as to answer questions instead of putting them in the FAQ with all the way at the bottom. If those questions are super important, not just like, what are cookies? Like a super helpful (laughs) question. Users will stop in their scroll tracks and be like, Oh, yeah, I was thinking that I'm going to put that at the top of my post and maybe put a couple before I talk about the ingredients. Or maybe we just don't even include the ingredients or instructions because it's in the recipe card. Right. So if something's not ranking, don't be afraid to go in completely other direction and totally reformat your post. I think that's something that people are
0: afraid to do. That should be a theme for food bloggers, not with just keyword research, but all across the board. If it's not working, do something different, go a different route. If it is working, keep doing that, right? Exactly. Exactly. And if you update a post, keep a
1: copy of of that first draft before you update it so that if it worked, you can go back and see what you did. And if it didn't work and your rankings drop, you can just revert back to that old, bird, that old you know, draft. Um, so it's also something that I do.
0: That's a good recommendation too. And then how do you track your rankings? Do you have a special place you do that? <laughs> oh, there you go. There's a good
1: reason. I do in key search as well. Google search console, you can also do some tracking or I should say more analyzing. You can't specifically like say, you know, let's track this specific keyword. You just have to go back in and go, you know, find it. Um, But key search does allow tracking, which is super nice if you're on that plan. But I use hrefs to track and create like certain groups and um, keep everything together that way. But whatever you use, tracking is like 100 percent. It's 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 like 50/50. If you do the awesome keyword research and you publish it, you can't just like drop the ball on the tracking part of it. You have to follow through with tracking and analyzing because most of the time it's not going to reach the top position the first try. You're going to need at least one more update to get it there from what I've seen. So,
0: okay. And then you mentioned a different plan in Keysearch. I didn't realize Keysearch had multiple plans. I thought it was just like one size fits all.
1: Okay, well, I believe that you can do like credit upgrades for more tracking of keywords. Okay. So I think that's
0: really what I'm what I'm referring
1: to. Like if you there's a starter plan, there's a pro plan where you have like, I think it's like 500 credits, which is a little bit more, not that much money. And then there's like, I think that's the only two and the more credits you buy, the keywords you can track. Yeah.
0: What else have we not covered about keywords, Aleka? I know you have a brain full of information about this topic. So is there something that we just need to touch on before we start saying goodbye?
1: I feel like there there is so much to talk about, but I feel like we covered like the main pieces of it. I think if, if, if you just find the right tool and you learn it like really, really well, you're going to start to see success and just don't take any shortcuts when it comes to research yeah
0: well maybe we can do a part two sometime that's more like would you have enough content to fill like a uh, 2.0 version of keyword research of course i can talk forever all (laughs) right (laughs) well let's do that because i know i just am being a fortune teller here but i know that after this is published people are going to be like i want more of that because it's such a great topic relevant topic right now and i think of things that i left out of course right Yeah, you and I will both be like, oh no, we didn't ask about this. So we'll do another part, a part two, maybe the summer or fall whenever Aleka has time and be on the lookout for that. But thank you so much for joining me. This was such a great conversation. Yes, thank you so much. This was fun. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration that you would love to leave us with today, Aleka?
1: I have so many quotes that I love, but I think I'm going to go towards the words of inspiration route instead and just kind of say like if you, if, if blogging is something, if you have a passion for what you're doing and you want to be, you know, the, a food blogger and make this your full-time job someday, if it's not already, you have to like manifest and believe that it's going to happen and don't stop until it happens. Something that like six years ago I was running and I was listening to a food podcast and I was like, this is, I was at that decision. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I was listening to somebody say like, find your passion. You should find a way to make money doing it. And I was like, this is, this is it. The teaching isn't really doing it for me anymore. I'm going to, I'm not going to stop until I get to that point. And, and I didn't, and it happened. And I feel like hundred percent, it's all about mindset and manifesting what you, you know, what you want following your passion. So do not stop until you see, you know, until, until you get to the point that you want to be it's really I I 100% believe in that don't give up if you want to be you know have a certain amount of followers on a certain social media platform don't stop posting whatever it is until you get there because it will happen it's not like the universe is against you it'll happen you just can't be against yourself if that makes sense
0: oh I love that so much and actually the opposite right the universe is 100% for you and we tend to forget that all the time yep yep (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing way to end. Thank you. And yeah, if you want to just mention like where people can find you and what services you provide to help with keywords or anything else, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, keywords with Aleka. You can also find links to my courses on um, my blog, alekasgettogether.com. I can also be found at keywords with a lack of teachable, which is another, which is where my courses are. And I also offer coaching as well. If you guys want some one-on-one help, you know, finding, you know, what posts to update and all of that. And I am offering a 10% coupon for whoever's listening, use the code EBT10 and you can get 10% off any course.
0: Ooh, Amazing. Thank you so much for that. That's super generous of you. Everyone go check out all of the amazing content and courses and services Aleka has to offer. So thank you again so much for being here, Aleka. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.